Hey friends, welcome back to A Life Filled with Bliss. Um, so each week we're going to go over the different segments and I'll start in with the big three. In the big three, I'll be chatting about three things that stood out or happened to me over the last week. This short and sweet segment allows me to share with you all the little things about me. Okay, so here it goes. This week has been pretty off track with my eating goals and exercise goals. As part of my 18 for 18, which I talked about last week, I have a high goal set to run a 5k, a 10k, and a half marathon this year. I was set back early in the year when I severely sprained my ankle in January. I was in a walking boot for four weeks after a stubborn 10-day ignoring the pain, hoping it will go away, period. I was upset with my situation because I knew I wanted to run races this year and hit big goals for myself as well. I still have five full months left to accomplish these goals and I'm working hard now with my trainers on Aptiv to hit this goal. I already completed my 5k and now it's on to the 10k and the half. Now it's not always easy for me to hit my exercise goals because life happens. As a nurse, my call schedule seriously dictates my life. When I'm on call and work 21 hours out of a 24-hour day, I'm flat out exhausted. I have to sleep and recover from being awake for 25 hours and working 21 of them. Some people never experience the strain of shift work or working day shift and then immediately working night shift. Being a motivated workaholic that I am, I'm usually super hard on myself when I don't accomplish the routine goals I have set for myself. I like to be consistent and stick with the program and my daily habits. But this week when my call schedule was insane and I worked odd and long hours, I was thrown into a funk. Straight up miserable funk. I was not able to get two of my three workouts in this past week and I was all thrown off of my eating schedule. I needed to show myself a little grace and empathy for the difficulties I was feeling. So back on track this week, it's Monday when I'm recording this and I'm using this day off to get my mind right for the grind upcoming this week. I went for a run this morning, choosing a difficult incline interval run to make up for the lack of running from this past week. Every day is a step in the right direction, this much I do know. I can't let a few days of setbacks deter me from my goals. The summary here is keep going. Those days of difficulty add to the gratitude you feel when you actually do accomplish those big goals. Okay, number two. Meal prepping has been a godsend these past two weeks. I was telling one of my friends that I had been super off track with my eating, feeling tired, and after 12 to 15 hour days not wanting to cook. She asked me if I meal prepped and I said, yes, I do meal prep, but then I don't feel like making it when the time comes to actually cook. And she looked at me like, duh, girl, and said, you have to cook it in advance. I'm telling you this. It was like a light bulb shot on in my head. How could I have forgotten something so basic? I know this about meal prepping. She said, I cook a bunch of food on Sunday and then I have meals ready to reheat when I get home from work. So no matter how many hours I worked, I still have food. And I thought, wow, I really forgot one of the most basic parts of meal prepping. Make the food! So I'm here to tell you my week was so much more on track this past week because I actually cooked on Sunday. And that's what I'm doing again today on my day off. Cooking my meals for the week so I have food to eat. Making the salads in advance without the dressing, putting it on the side, and having all my Tupperware stacked in the fridge ready to pull for lunch so that I don't have to buy food at work. Are you looking for a sign that you need to prep? Because here it is. Meal prep, baby. You won't forget it. All right. And number three, one of my jobs is an orthopedic and spine surgery nurse. 
At this job, there's a fellowship program for doctors to specialize in either orthopedics or spine. It's a one-year program, and new fellows are hired every year. This past week, we said goodbye to the fellows of 2017 to 2018. It was four guys, and they were all very different but had great personalities. Each year, the surgical team members get together to throw a goodbye party to send them off. And this year, we went to Loca Luna near Midtown and Virginia Highlands to send them on their way. We laughed, reminisced, and ate plenty of appetizers over drinks to celebrate how far they'd come and to celebrate them on their, who their new adventures. A great time was had by all, and plenty of pictures and fun memories were made. Definitely going to miss those guys. So that's all for the big three. Okay, out and about Atlanta. This is a segment where I talk about some place I've explored in and around Atlanta. Since we're new to the area, we have a desire to be tourists in our own town. Okay, so when Patrick's mom came to town, she had one tourist item on her list to visit Stone Mountain. Now we agreed easily because I see it on my commute to work at my other job. And Patrick and I both had really wanted to go and were looking forward to seeing what Stone Mountain Park was all about. It was so much fun and much bigger than we were expecting. We thought it would be a mountain with the stone characters carved into the side and pretty much a little history area. We were so wrong. Stone Mountain is like a mini amusement park. It had an area for snacks and fountain drinks, little sit-down diner, water park area, a climbing and zip line area, and a ride to the top of the mountain. There's a fireworks show and laser light display that was going on the night we were there to visit in front of the carved area of the mountain. We walked around the little shops and then decided to hike up to the mountain instead of riding to the top. There was a walking path on the map that looked not too bad and it led to the top of the mountain. The first part of the mountain was shaded in the trees with a nice little breeze. It was a steady, slow incline. All of a sudden, we came upon a steep, flat rock surface and followed the signs leading to the top of the mountain. Patrick's mom was in sandals, but she was keeping up with no problem. The path steadily got more and more steep. It was almost like stairs at times, and other times there was rocks everywhere. A couple of times when we were really close to the bottom, but didn't really know that, his mom asked if we were almost there. Patrick and I said, yes, it couldn't be much more. Boy, were we wrong. It took us over an hour to get to the top. The sun was beating down and we were climbing the steep areas, not always in the shade. The views from the mountain were prettier the higher we climbed. Finally, we made it to a point that looked like the top because you could see the Atlanta skyline and the mountains to the north. At this point, it was so steep there was a railing to hold on to to climb the last little bit to the top because it was sunny and definitely a warm day. The railing was super hot and we couldn't touch it. Patrick's mom was a trooper, noting that she was the only person her age climbing the mountain and in sandals. We congratulated her for her tenacity and athleticism. Finally, we had made it to the top. The views were incredible and totally worth the climb. There was an air-conditioned shop at the top, and we couldn't wait to go in to cool down and get rehydrated. We filled our amusement park cup that had unlimited refills and took plenty of pictures to capture the views. Because it had been such an adventure to get to the top of the mountain, the three of us agreed to pay to ride down the mountain on the sky car. It looks like a big ride on a ski slope style cable system. The trip took a mere two minutes. 
but seeing this carving in the stone mountain and witnessing the views was absolutely incredible. We were pleasantly surprised at all that Stone Mountain had to offer. There was definitely not enough time to see everything, so we can't wait to go back. Obsession of the week. I'm a very passionate person and when I find things I love, I just have to share them. One thing I just can't get enough of this week is Rachel Hollis. I feel like a creeper when I say this, that Rachel Hollis is the type of woman I have always wanted to be friends with. I want to be surrounded by women like Rachel. Recently, I had heard a lot of people talking about the book, Girl, Wash Your Face, and had been a little reluctant to read it because it was so popular. I don't always read or do things because they are viral or popular, but when I had an Audible credit pop up with recommendations based on my other downloads, I saw the book has the second choice listed. I decided, why not? I had a credit, so I might as well see what all the hype is about. I'm so glad that I did. There's something you should know about me. I believe in surrounding yourself with people like you and also with people who you aspire to be like and those who inspire you to be a better person. I want my everyday life and social media to be filled with uplifting, inspiring, and encouraging people that make me want to achieve my goals, that inspire me to push past the comfort zone and into the areas of growth. Rachel Hollis is one of those people for me. Oh, she's full of tough love, great advice, and a life full of hardships that she overcame to get to the point where she and her husband run a successful business motivating and helping women achieve their goals and see their true potential. Their business has a personal growth conference called Rise, and they have two podcasts. One is with Rachel, and it's just called Rise, and she offers practical advice, inspiration, and motivation for women. She also interviews many other successful businesswomen who are also influencers, inspiring, and motivational. The podcast she and her husband have together is called Rise Together. How ironic, huh? This is a couple's focused podcast emphasizing topics that have helped them stay happily married for over 14 years. Listening to them on the podcast, I feel corny as all get out by saying hashtag couple goals. They seriously are putting in the work to make their relationship the best it can be so that they are both happy. There are so many themes to her books, podcasts, conferences, and social media that are there to help you find your best self and set her free. Ladies, don't delay. Stalk Rachel Hollis on all social media with her handle at MS Rachel Hollis. Buy her book, or better yet, listen to her read it to you on Audible. Her next book, Girl, Stop Apologizing, comes out in March 2019, and you need to be prepared for all this magic coming your way. You seriously will not regret it. She will change your life, literally. Okay, so on to the topic of the episode, food. Um, I could talk about food all day. I wonder many times why I didn't go into food and nutrition. But actually, I think it's because I didn't know at the time I was passionate about meal planning, diets, and eating with restrictions. In nursing school, we had to take a nutrition class, and I excelled in it easily. I found it interesting, I could understand it, and I really liked it. 
At that point in time, I wasn't really in touch with my food as much as I am today. So let me just cover a little bit of my history with food here. I was born with food allergies. I was allergic to dairy and soy, and my mom had to feed me goat's milk formula. So I've struggled with allergies from the beginning. Um, That was like the early 90s when it wasn't very common to have allergies and people didn't really talk about it or really understand it. Um, As a kid, I was always sick with no real explanation. Um, I had stomach aches. I constantly had headaches. uh, I had hives all the time. And there was no emphasis at that time about food problems or allergies other than like maybe having a peanut allergy or an egg allergy. So because I didn't have those at the time, that wasn't really my issue. So I just sort of rolled on the floor in agony with stomach pain and, you know, everyone just kind of was like, oh, well, that's what happens to bliss. Just because there wasn't really that style of education at that time. So fast forward to me being 16 years old, I was away for a volleyball competition in Washington, D.C., and I had an allergic reaction to shellfish. So this was the first time I had had crab dip and I was, we had gone out for dinner. I was on a, you know, I'd never had it and I was on this trip without my mom, but I tried this crab dip and I had a reaction. Um, I didn't know I was having a reaction when I went back to the hotel. All the parents were downstairs at the hotel bar, hanging out, having a good time, but I was upstairs. I was getting sick. I was having a hard time breathing. I had hives the size of half dollars all over my body. And my friend who I was staying with recognized that I was having an allergic reaction because her mom had severe allergies. So she called her mom and her mom came up and realized I was having a really severe reaction. So she called 911. They called an ambulance. I got rushed to a hospital in DC. Um, obviously without my mom because she wasn't there and it was quite an experience. I don't remember a lot of it, but I do know it was dramatic. (laughs) Um, so now I don't eat, um, I don't eat crab obviously. Um, over time I've developed more allergies to other shellfish. I used to be able to eat shrimp and now I can't eat it at all. Same with clams and other, I've never tried lobster just because it's too similar to crab. So that's sort of what happened when I was 16. As I got older, I was in college, and I started to sort of like research, you know, what, what was wrong with me? You know, why couldn't I eat food like other people could eat food? I had all kinds of allergy tests. My skin test didn't come back positive with a lot, even the shellfish, which was what I'd had that severe reaction to. So it was really confusing. A lot of the doctors, when my skin test came back negative, resorted to things like, oh, you're just having anxiety. You just need to relax. You know, you're in nursing school. It's really hard. Um, And I was just insulted by all of it. Um, (laughs) I feel like sometimes you just know your own body. And at that time, I knew I was having reactions to things I was eating. And I started Googling. I'm like, if you're not going to give me an answer or you don't have any ideas, they were just like, eat whatever you want and you'll be fine. And I'm like, I'm not fine, clearly. 
So I tried gluten-free because I had Googled joint pain. And one of the things that it said really helped with joint pain was when people ate, stopped eating gluten. And I was like, oh, what's this gluten about? So I really did a journey on figuring out what was gluten-free, what did that mean? And honestly, there wasn't a whole lot available in terms of like, what was I going to make? Um, this was like early 2010, that time frame. So I was concerned because I was like, okay, well, this doesn't leave me a lot to eat. But I kind of stuck with it on and off and um, my joint pain went away. I was in my early 20s and I no longer had joint pain in my hands or my feet. Some of my hives went away. I was still having stomach issues, but not nearly as bad as when I was eating gluten. And I, at that point, I wish I just stuck with it like consistently because I just sort of dawdled in it on and off. I ate gluten-free sometimes and other times I was like, oh, I just really want pizza, so I'll just eat pizza. But I was still really suffering and... You know, if I had just stuck with it, I would have had a lot less stomach aches and a lot less illness in my life. So going forward, I had gotten into CrossFit. um, And there is a lot of emphasis on nutrition when you're doing CrossFit. So there was a Whole30 nutrition challenge at the gym. And I was like, whatever, I'll look into this diet and try it. What's another diet? Um, and it was very difficult. Um, it was gluten-free, dairy-free, no added sugar. It was very challenging, more challenging than just doing paleo. And I really struggled with it. I mean, you, you really have to eat clean and meal plan and really prepare ahead. It's really difficult to eat out. Um, the food can seem really bland and boring, but... Over time, you find other people have really creative recipes, and there's a lot of things you can do to make the food more interesting. Um, So at this point, though, I had eliminated processed food, fast food. I was no longer eating my Kraft macaroni and cheese like a college student. I was no longer going to McDonald's after going out drinking in college. Like I just got rid of all of that, and I found a lot of relief from that. So after college, I continued to sort of dabble with food here and there, you know, what made me feel good, what didn't. And I started following Julie Bauer of Paleo MG. And then I found Cassie Joy Garcia, who's the blogger for Fed and Fit. And both of those bloggers really changed my life just because I had never witnessed other people that ate the way that they did following paleo you know, doing the meats and the vegetables and the little bit of fruit and really sticking to grain-free or making a meal plan that works for what works for your body. Um, They'd even struggled with acne and other problems like I had been experiencing. And it was just eye-opening to see, like, other people eat like this too. It's not just me. Like, I'm not alone in this. So... I continued to follow them. I still follow them to this day. They have a lot of amazing recipes. They have great insight. They're lifestyle bloggers, so they have food and fashion and fitness and all kinds of things also. So fast forward to now, I currently still do a lot of paleo-esque diet. You know, I focus a lot on meat, not a whole lot of grains, no beans, 
Um, over time, I've also developed a peanut and almond allergy, so that makes even eating paleo hard sometimes, especially shellfish too, because a lot of their recipes are shrimp or, you know, almond flour this and almond flour that or almond this. So doing gluten-free and dairy-free has been much easier here in Atlanta than it was when I was in Delaware. So I do eat rice because it fits in my plan for me, but I really limit it. And then recently I stumbled across another blogger, Kelly Levesque, who wrote the book Body Love, and she has a whole breakfast plan revolving around smoothies and like increasing fiber and adding more vegetables to your breakfast with protein powder. So that's what I've been doing recently, which could be a whole nother podcast. (laughs) But I've also increased my water intake by trying to drink half of my body weight in fluid ounces of water. So that can be challenging, especially as an OR nurse, because I don't have a ton of time to drink water, let alone go to the bathroom. So it has been a journey to say the least, but honestly, I've never felt better than I do now. Um, I still really struggle with avoiding cheese, but not so much gluten. So I, last time I had gluten was July, 2017, and I was so sick. (laughs) I ate gluten intentionally and I was so sick. It was not even worth it. I could not eat for 24 hours. I was throwing up I was like, I felt like death warmed over. Think of like the worst hangover you've ever had, but just for 24 hours. Like I just felt miserable. I could do nothing but lay around. I couldn't eat. And this was all from eating macaroni and cheese. It was so not worth it. So I've really learned since then. And I know that if I mess with dairy, I will be down for the count. So that goes for gluten and dairy for me. Um, And then I just wanted to touch on something else. A couple of lessons from someone with multiple food allergies. Lesson number one. Don't make fun of people with food allergies. Heck, I didn't choose this. Do you think I want to have allergies to peanuts and almonds and not be able to eat the things that everybody else is eating? I don't enjoy having food allergies and I definitely don't like being the center of attention because it's like, oh, Bliss can't eat that or Bliss has to have a special separate dish because she has food allergies. Like that doesn't feel good. Who wants to be the center of attention for that? So making fun of people or not taking their allergies seriously is just rude (laughs) and unkind. So just think about it. Next time you go to make a joke. Um, Number two, don't push food on people or feel offended if they can't eat your dish because it has something in it that doesn't work for their body. I don't know. I can't tell you how many times people get upset or offended that I can't eat the cupcake that they brought or the peanut butter bars or some other dish that has come to work for, you know, any type of you that would have those work functions where you bring in a bunch of food. Um, people get really offended and I'm like, I'm, I'm not trying to offend you. I have food allergies and I cannot eat your food to make you feel better. (laughs) So just think about that next time or better yet, think about bringing something that is free from the top eight allergens, (laughs) you know, but just don't get offended. That's the easiest thing I can say because it's truly not personal. 
All right, number three. Have some empathy and stop saying that people never had food allergies until now or this is just a trend or you're just doing gluten-free because it's trendy. It's just not true. (laughs) I mean, so many people have said to me, are you sure it's not all in your head? Or why don't you just eat it this time? It will be okay. And I'm like, no, it will not be okay. I cannot eat this. Um, And people did have allergies before 2010. Like, believe it or not, allergies have been around. It's an immune response. It's not something people create in their head or, you know, just have anxieties. Now, there's plenty of people that are doing gluten-free because it's trendy. Don't get me wrong. All the power to you. I think there's nothing wrong with doing gluten-free if you choose to. But if someone says, I'm allergic to this food and I cannot eat it, They can't eat it. And that doesn't make them any less of a person because they can't eat the same things that you do. Okay, stepping off the soapbox just a little bit. Remember that many people are not intending to be difficult dining partners. They literally cannot consume some of the foods that you do. I know that it's hard to go out to eat with me sometimes. And I, again, resent the difficulty it brings because I always want to be the person that's easygoing, not difficult to be around, and sometimes it's difficult for me to go out to eat at certain places. Um, I just don't like being that, but I am what I am, you know? I know I can't eat shellfish. I know I can't eat certain foods, and going to a place that's like Joe's Crab Shack, I can't go there. (laughs) I just can't. So sometimes there's other options, like I can go to seafood places that aren't crab oriented where there's like, oh, we serve a bunch of seafood, but there's also this really nice steak on the menu. So just try to come up with ideas or, you know, ask the person with food allergies, what type of food do you normally eat? So that maybe we can include everybody without putting a big stigma on where we go. And I'm not saying we have to bend over backwards for people with food allergies. I've gotten really good at adapting to going places or more variety of places, but it doesn't hurt to be thoughtful and ask the question. (laughs) Okay, so that's it for the soapbox lessons. I just felt like that was important to be said. And I would finish with this. Are you listening to your body? Are you eating things that constantly give you diarrhea, bloating, burping for hours after you eat it? Do you feel overweight, tired, blogged, like slugged down with your body? Like, do you feel good after what you're eating? Like, obviously eating a donut feels great in the moment, but afterwards, do you feel great? Or maybe you're eating something all the time that is really causing you illness. You're fine, you're fine, you're fine. But every time you eat pizza, you're like, I'm running for the bathroom. Maybe you shouldn't be eating pizza. So I would just say, listen to your body. Do what works for you. Get good at feeling out like what works. Increase your water intake and just see how you're doing. Do a self-assessment. Listen to your body. It knows what it needs. It knows what it wants. So just do it. If you have any questions about food or diets, I have a lot of different research I've done over the years to try to find what works for me. So thanks for hearing me out. That's all for today. Please rate, review, and subscribe to my podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. 
And if you want to reach out to me, my Instagram handle is at a life filled with bliss, or you can email me at a life filled with bliss at gmail.com. Until next week, I hope you find your life filled with bliss.